Alright, welcome to the Quarantine Spook Show. I'm Kyle Caresi. This is the show where I do improvised horror stories. What I do is I pull out random titles from a jar submitted by the audience. And then I make up the titles from there. If you have any titles you'd like to submit, you can send them to quarantinespookshow at gmail.com or contact me through direct more direct means. So I'm recording this episode uh, a little later in the week than I usually do, um, in part because I'm taking uh, next week off uh, because of uh, Thanksgiving, Turkey Day, Friendsgiving, whatever you want to call the holiday these days. And also today I found out about the, uh, what's his name, the Kyle Rittenhouse uh, acquittal uh, for the murder of those two dudes. So I'm uh, thoroughly pissed about that, as many people in uh, the country are. And I'm certainly not anticipating uh, for each for tonight's stories to just be a thinly veiled allegory of why it's bullshit to bring an assault rifle somewhere and then claim self-defense when you murder people, you know. But that's certainly where my feelings are. obviously going to be uh, convicted of murder, and then he was acquitted, you know. And then seeing the uh, news about the uh, Rittenhouse trial in the uh, past few weeks, you know, a little bit wiser, and just thinking, uh, this shit just repeats. Now there's some other uh, darker undertones uh, that's happening with his trial. Um, yeah, I say this every time. Uh, I don't know what the future's going to hold. Um, you know, but just be ready for whatever comes, I guess. I don't know. I'm just getting vague and ambiguous at this point. Anyway, let's get started. This story is called Bomb Cyclones and Atmospheric Rivers.
weather reports weren't quite the same. Reporting them, uh, the consequences of climate change were taking effect. I'd always tell people, like, yeah, I'm a weatherman, you know? And they're just like, oh, that's cool, I guess. really impressed by it, but I always thought, you know, storm chasing, tracking weather, it's one of the coolest things you could do. I remember when they made the shift to, uh, calling us meteorologists. traction if some sort of a disastrous storm was occurring of some sort. It was often heartbreaking uh, reporting on those stories. Goddamn, there's nothing quite like doing the weather. We even got more glorified when uh, David Lynch was doing them. Doing his uh, daily weather reports. Yeah, when I go, when I, when I go out on social and I talk to people about what I do, like, oh, I'm a weatherman, I'm a meteorologist, I work for the uh, local news. Oh, hot damn, that's really cool. And I was like, yeah, it is, you know. The weather's really something special. It's always exciting to track climate and all that. And some people would say, thing, say things to me like, oh, no, yeah, but you're also, like, tracking the disaster, like, as it's happening, you know. The world upending and all that. Like, that's gotta... You're at the forefront of that, man. That's really cool. And I'd be like, well, you know, that's not exactly why I got into it, but... type of insight has its own perks, I guess. I always said it was important to stay informed. challenges reporting the weather uh, during these conditions of what we're going through globally. Before I used to just, you know, talk about sunny days or cloudy days or hurricane tracking and all that. Stormwatch was always exciting, like I always believed. But now the terms for weather are getting more metal. 
you know, with all the vicious rainstorms that have been happening, you know, terms like bomb cyclones and atmospheric rivers. go on a TV or a stream to report the weather, you know, it always felt like I was on, you know, like some sort of, like I was fronting like a metal band, you know? I was getting to the point where like all my weather reports are just like getting metal as shit, you know? These vicious, insane storms that come out of nowhere. These massive heat waves and forest fires that wipe people out. harrowing stuff that we're faced with each day. One time my producer suggested, like, oh, you know what we should do? We should start playing metal music to the weather reports. And I was like, well, I don't know if that's, uh, I think that kind of detracts from what we're trying to do. And then my producer was just like, no, 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 we're getting, like, you know, I mean, the weather reports are getting hardcore shit. Like, it's the thing that people are tuning into the most. And I was like, oh, wow, really? He was like, yes, absolutely, you know? You know, we're losing a lot of people ever since, like, the syndicate. We're just, like, you know, playing their random uh, promotional ads of some random bullshit agenda that they're trying to push, you know? But the weather's pure, you know? You just gotta be like, oh, this is what's happening in the weather. And I was like, yeah, I guess that's true, you know? It's one of the few few streams of reliable information that we have access to. And the producers are like, yeah, until, you know, unless Fox Dudes gets their weather weather programming uh, up and running, you know. Like, really going to ultimate ends to deny climate science and all that. And I was like, yeah, it's really tragic. It's, re- it's a real disgrace to reporting the weather. Because all you have to do is literally report the weather. And uh, my producer is just like, yeah. You know, you'd think it'd be that simple for a lot of people, but... Oh man, world's changing. Anyway, I think it'd be cool to play some metal here and there. You know, fuck it. Who's still watching anyway? I said, well, you know, you just said that the weather report is, you know, is the most tuned in thing. And he's like, yeah, it's, you know, people tune in online and all that. They love, they think you're cool, you know, reporting the weather and all that. But like, fucking news. Our news station, anyway, you know, we're not getting a lot of, you know, we're ratings have been down for a bit, you know. And I said, well, you know, I mean, I haven't watched the station in years, ever since we were bought out by that syndicate. We used to, you know, we used to have, like, an investigative arm, didn't we? And the producer said, yeah, sure, kind of. We technically still do, but, uh, we're really just investigating memes at this point. And I said, well, exactly, you know, like, you you and I, we're like the old-timers here, you know. We've been around since we were bought out by the, before we were bought out by the syndicate, you know. And there was, like, actual news that was happening. When someone does uh, try to report the news or, uh, you know, formulate a formulate a point of view about how the news should be uh, done and all that, it's always just 
regurgitating random talking points without any critical thought into what's happening in these situations. Again, I'm down for some simple news here and there, but I'm into just that, the news, you know? And that's why I like the weather, you know? I'm just talking about this is the weather. It's the simplest thing you can do. It's important to people, you know? So I'm happy to do it anytime. And the producers is like, yeah, it's good to hear. It's good to hear, Mark. But uh, I'm still, still want to play some metal, though. So we talked about it, and uh, I agreed to let some metal play. Uh, play in and play out. Uh, I suggested Morbid Angel, because I was into that band at the time. And that's how we started to do the news for a while, you know. We just play some metal, and that'll do the weather report. You know, more often than not, the, uh, the report was pretty benign, just typical uh, things here and there, but then uh, we had a lot of heat waves, a lot of storms. It was a lot of anomalies, that's the thing. But these anomalies happened so often that they were no longer anomalies. Anomalies. That's what freaked me out about it. At one point, I had a panic attack. Uh, live during during the weather report. You know, we were playing some metal for a few weeks. It was going pretty good, helping out the ratings and whatnot. But then I tried to pronounce the word anomaly. And I just stuttered and spazzed out, just saying anomalies, blah, blah, blah. And then I just passed out, live there. So the, uh, my producer came on, and uh, some people scored me off the set, and he just popped in. He said, oh, so anyway, uh, storm's going that way. Watch out. And then they just uh, went back to the main news line. But after the broadcast, you know, uh, some anchors and producers were all, you know, huddled around me, and I was like, oh, what happened? He's like, oh, you passed out. Oh, jeez, did I? And they were like, yeah, yeah. You, you doing all right, you know, reporting the news and all that? And I said, yeah, it's fine. It's just, you know, it gets, it gets overwhelming after a while, you know? So many anomalies. And the producer's like, yeah, you could have just said it like that, you know, on the screen, you know? I said, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, maybe I'll just, uh, I think I need like a couple days off or something just to get my head straight. And then the producer was just like, I'll give you, how about a week, you know? Just uh, get some rest, we'll get uh, Gary to do it. It'll be fine. So that week I just started to relax for a bit, you know, just first half of the week I just stayed in my house and rested for a bit. And then like the last half of the week I just took uh, took some long drives uh, around the countryside. You know, I stayed at a, an Airbnb for one night, really just to clear my head a bit. And I was into photography and I was taking picture of this, pictures of the sky, you know.
I got back to the news station, uh, there was a crowd of a couple of people outside the building. And one of them pointed at me and she's like, oh, you're, you're Mark Sprocket. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's me, all right. station uh you weren't there so we were hoping we'd see you uh, before the broadcast and i was like yeah well, i've been resting all week so i guess i came in a little bit later than usual differently, you know. 
a lot of mainline local news. Uh, has a very specific aesthetic, very brightly colored blazers. And more often than not, it comes off as uh, synthetic in a lot of ways.
bro uh, news broadcast started, and uh, the producer told me that, uh, yeah, just not to freak you out, but more, as many people uh, watching this program right now, it's as many people who watched the Super Bowl in previous years. I was like, oh shit, really? And it was like, yeah, no, again, no pressure, just do the weather report. I always do. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll do it. She was like, yeah, we got backup generators, you know, so we'll be able to report the weather as as is. And I was like, yeah, okay, sounds sounds great. So when the mainline anchors were doing their part of the news, um, and then when they were airing their uh, syndicate bullshit that we had to air every episode, you could hear the thunder uh, outside the building. It was really close rain crashing on the ceiling of the set and studio building. So then it was my time to do the news in front of the green screen. I felt nervous, but not for weather reporting re reasons. I felt like it was going to be a little bit different this time. So I started off as I ever do. I just say hello to everyone, and I just point at things on the green screen. I point to specific regions, uh, certain temperatures, uh, the projection of the storm and how long it's going to last and what areas it's going to hit. You know, very straightforward stuff. And then there's a loud crash that happened, and the whole room shook. behind me and uh, the wall that's uh, split open. Apparently another building close by, luckily one that's not too tall, crashed into ours. Ours, ours was still standing, but, you know, the storm and weather was coming in, blowing everything, damaging all the equipment. First, I thought it was an earthquake, but I was just like, "Is this from the? This just from the storm?" And after all these uh, momentary survival impulses as they were going by, I was just like, "We gotta get out of here." My producer was like, "No, no, no! Finish the broadcast!" And I was like, "What?" And he said, "Finish the broadcast! You know, you're doing great." And I said, "But there's a giant hole torn into the studio." He's like, yes, that's awesome. To quarter of my eye, I saw some metal, music, metal musicians still playing guitar and drums to the storm itself. In a pretty decent rhythm uh, with the storm. Green, scene, green screen was still intact, though it was blowing. I don't know how it showed on the monitor, but I was like, all right, okay, keep going. about gesturing to the green screen, but then I just look at the hole behind me, which is in view of the camera, and I said, so anyway, um, the storm's happening, it's hitting us right now, it'll probably be at this consistency for another two days, and it'll tone back in, uh, in about three, going on for another week of just heavy rains, and then loud lightning uh, crashed, 
circuitry went out and uh, the power went out. And then went back on through uh, one of the generators, out of sight, presumably. To my surprise, no one on the staff was fleeing or running away from this obvious disaster and this uh, obvious emergency situation. They were just watching me, uh, applauding and yelling, giving devil horns and all that. And I just keep talking, you know, about the directory of the storm. It's like, oh, it's also going to hit these regions as well. Uh, you know, and I started to list off some safety protocols. And then there was even more screaming. And then they started to mosh to my weather report and to the storm itself happening behind me as well as the many music metal musicians that were also playing uh, in the room as well. Actually, more rain starts to pour into the building, and then it starts to flood. It starts to get uh, wet up to my ankles. And I was just saying, hey, this isn't safe with all the electrical equipment. Like, we really gotta get out of here. Just like, keep going, man, keep going. It was so loud, I could barely hear him. The storm was so abrasive. But still wet and cold. I kept going. And despite all this, I was still just giving the weather report as I, as I usually do. At every report. Finally, I finished giving the report. Yeah, huge applause and a lot of screaming. And then a light fell on the green screen. I was like, are we really got to get out of here? And then everyone started to flee. But the halls were so flooded. It was hard to find a way out. bomb shelter next door uh, that we took refuge in uh, for the rest of that day. And then the next day it was a, uh, the rain got a little bit lighter so we could return to our houses. The storm totally destroyed the town. A lot of debris everywhere, houses destroyed, cars moved by flooding. trees having their foliage discolored for all the lightning that struck it. A week went by before I got a call from my producer. He was saying that uh, they're still working on repairs for the building and all that. But it's a very, uh, there's not a strong likelihold uh, for the channel to repair itself in time to, for the next broadcast. It's probably going to be out of commission for the foreseeable future. 
said, uh, yeah, between you and me, you might as well be, you might as well start looking for another job, uh, just based on the, with the way this uh, trajectory is going. I said I understood, and I thanked him, and uh, said I enjoyed working with him over the years. And he was just like, yeah, we've, uh, we've seen a lot, haven't we? And I said, yeah, we sure have. So while I was doing that last story, uh, I kept hearing sirens uh, out on the street uh, where I'm recording this. And uh, it definitely reminds me of uh, during the height of protest season uh, last year, and how a lot of sirens were constantly going by on the streets and a lot of helicopters were flying by. Um, some of those are even recorded in the background of uh, the older Spook Show episodes. You know. Anyway, just makes you worried of what's to come. Anyway. This next story is called Where Did the Slime Between These Bricks Come From? just 
unremarkable. Not really any distinct figures, uh, except that he looked like that he just woke up out of bed, you know. Had like some really sporty hoodie on that was uh, looked like it was stained by coffee or something. Some sweatpants, some nice sweatpants, but you know, could have been easily something that he slept in. I'd like to be quick to judge. Maybe just go back from the gym or something. I don't know what his story was. I just know what he brought me uh, in that one afternoon. It was just a jar of this weird green slime. And I just, you know, I was having a rough day as it was, so I didn't really mind giving him an attitude. I was just like, alright, so what the fuck is this supposed to be? He's like, um, yeah, that's a that's slime. It's slime. And I, was like, and I was just like, what do you expect me to do with all this slime? And he's like, uh, it's kind of like, um, you know, like flubber slime, kind of. Um, I don't know, it's weird. I think you'll like it. Um, I'll sell it to you if you want. And I was just like, I don't want any... I don't have any use for any slime. I don't know how to sell it. I don't know, you know. Like, if it's something that you can use for, like, you know, mulch or fertilizer or something, you know, I got some numbers you can contact, but I don't have any, you know, use for that here. You know, I have I have Emmys here from Fallen Stars that were at a real low point in their, point in their life and they had to sell it. Like, I don't need any slime or anything. Like I'll, uh, I'll show you um, if you got a back room or something. I'll really show you what this slime's all about. Maybe it's because I was bored that day. Maybe it's because I've been in business so long and spent my whole life working that I didn't really expect to see any other surprises, and I was mildly curious. Or maybe my heart has just been hollowed out. And have a care for anything in the world. For whatever reason, I agreed. It's like, alright, let's go in the back room and see what the slime's about. So we go in the back room and we got a little, I got a little card table set up and uh, I sat down and he sat across from me. And I was like, alright, so what's, uh, this shit is toxic or anything? Like, where did you get this? And he was like, I, um, I can't say that. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't always remember, but when I do, I, uh, try to forget, you know, it's weird. It's weird slime, you'll see. Yeah, like a spoon or anything? And I said yes, and I had a little silver commemorative spoon that never sells for anything. So I just hand that to him. He set the jar on the table, undid the lid, set the lid beside the jar, and he took the spoon took a little spoonful and then dolloped it um, on the table and then he says uh, he just stared at it just stared at it for a while after like a minute I was like alright what is this he said shh 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 and then he kept staring at it
and I was just like, I don't know what the fuck to do with this lime. He was like, shh, shh, shh. Still, he stared at it. And then he whispered, watch. I watched the slime, and it moved on its own. It's like a flubber slime, but weirder. Um, you can have this as a free sample. Um, yeah, that's. And I can. I'll sell you the rest. Uh, you think about it. You know, I'm really just trying to get rid of this stuff. slime was working, if it's anything, I can give you something less than that. And he said, you just think about the slime. I'm gonna take off. And then he left. And I was stuck with the slime. This little doll above it, just moving back and forth. I got a little plastic baggie, and I scooped it in with a spoon. And then when I got back to my apartment, I was, uh, my kitchen table and just inspected the slime. I just watched it move for a bit. I had a dog, my dog kept barking at it, you know. Maybe that happened in Flubber too, um, either in the Robin Williams version or the original. I don't remember. I haven't seen those Flubber movies in years. But certainly recent enough recent enough to know that this material was a uh, Flubber-esque. I 
of, of watching it, you know, just move back and forth on the table. And I was just like, oh, maybe I can uh, take this to a toxicology expert or something. Um, figure out what this thing is. I was getting really tired. Um, but I was too sleepy to really feel like grabbing a new spoon or anything. So I just poked it with my finger to get it back in a little plastic bag. But it wouldn't move. So I started poking it harder and harder. Until it got stuck to my finger. And I was like, oh shit. So I tried to get a napkin, uh, and I tried to wipe it off. Uh, by the time I tried to, it was gone. It didn't leave my finger. It didn't disappear. But my skin absorbed it quicker than I expected. Again, it was only a dollar, but I just had this slight, like, uh, green drippy residue on my finger, but the dollar of slime was gone. So the next day, when I go to work at the pawn shop, uh, for lack of a better phrase, uh, I feel like a million bucks, you know? My body felt good, uh, wasn't having any, having any nerve pain, you know. My wit was sharper, and I was uh, much more sociable, much more agreeable, you know. Feeling, uh, feeling good in all the ways a person is capable of feeling good. That's what I felt by this uh, little dollop of slime. it's too good to be true. I don't know what would happen if I took too much of this line. So then another day passes by and I feel a little bit groggy. Um, I guess a little bit like hungover or something. And I was just like, that oh, must be slime withdrawal or something. fly on that flubber uh, slime, so maybe I can really put that to good use. And on that day, that was the day when the guy came back. He didn't have the jar with him this time. He was like, uh, so what do you what do you think about the slime? And he's like, yeah, well, uh, I'll purchase this off you. Um, I'm gonna give you ten grand for it. And he just shook his head and he's like, no, I'll, uh, I mean, I've been talking to other places, and they can get me, like, you know, like a quarter of a million for it. And I was just like, no way. But then after thinking about how spry I was from the slime, I could totally believe it. This stuff was valuable, it was useful. I don't know what it did, but it does something cool, surely. get this slime. And he was just like, I, I don't always remember. I just uh, have a jar of it, and I'm really trying to get rid of it. He's like, oh yeah, because I, uh, I took that free sample, and it was, it was cool. It was really helpful. You know, I get why I'm trying to get a high price for it, you know, but I can't get a quarter of a million for it. And he said, uh, what do you mean, what do you mean you took it? 
And I said, well, you know, I had a, had a dose, you know? Um, I just touched it with my skin and it absorbed it, you know? And it was cool. And then he was like, huh. And I was just like, what? And he said, I don't know. I've never touched it before. I don't know what happens uh, when you do that. I said, well, it uh, feels good. You feel really spry and buoyant, uh, soulfully. And he said, oh, well, that's, that's cool. That's good for you. But yeah, if you, um, I'll give you a phone number if you uh, want to talk about uh, buying off my slime. Uh, but I gotta, you better get back to me like the next day or two because I got like another buyer or two that might be interested. Then he gave me his number and went off. But no one was in the store at the time, so I just thought, I'm gonna follow this guy, see where he gets this slime. Spent the afternoon following him, you know. He worked at a grocery store, uh, his life seemed pretty regular. I wasn't really good at tailing anyone or anything like that. But you know, I kept my distance. grocery store, uh, met with his uh, girlfriend uh, on his lunch break. At the end of his shift, he uh, bought a jar, um, an empty one, a big 20-ounce uh, mason jar. And he just started driving out of the city, past the outskirts. The industrial, he was in the area where all the uh, industrial yards are. A lot of broken down warehouses and derelict buildings and all that. Just a lot of decay, you know. A lot of cargo containers around. Some were just old, you know. Maybe realize how quick everyone is to abandon, you know. I stopped getting philosophical and just focused on following this dude. But in some random field uh, with some warehouses and some uh, dilapidated brick buildings around, he got out of his car. a distance across the field so I got out of my car and I started following him staying really far away you know because I did not want him to see me at all he probably walked for about 15 to 20 minutes so we went to this one chunk of a brick building mostly destroyed, with a few fragments of wall left. And I just watched him. Uh, he had a little bag with him, and he uh, took out the jar. Set the jar on the ground. And he got on his hands and knees and just started to lick the seams of the bricks. It seemed like he was suckling on it quite a bit. 
and he would spit up a little bit into the jar. He'd suck up some more moisture between the seams of the bricks and then spit it back out in the jar. Probably did this for like three hours. And then he uh, filled up the jar, let out a really big, nasty cough, and spit out a loogie. And just started to walk back to his car. I stayed out of sight and I decided not to follow him anymore. But I approached a fragment of the brick wall, and I see where he uh, spit out the loogie. It was, piece, it was a piece of the slime that he showed me. I just thought, uh-huh. So that's where it is. You know, that little fragment of a brick building. And I see it. Uh, the seams of the brick wall. All had a slight green ooze. It wasn't a lot of it. And it wasn't at quite the same consistency as the slime. It was very much thicker. It was like hard sap. But I'm sure that's why it took the dude so long to suckle on it, you know, and really extract it properly. And I just thought about it. I was like, God, he must be making like hundreds of thousands of dollars doing this, just selling off this lime, you know? is, then he's, he's the one who gets all the profits, you know? You don't need any middleman to for sucking off ooze off a random wall, you know? So I leave the field uh, the next day at the pawn shop, and the guy comes back once again. He has the jar with him. He was like, alright, what do you say to a quarter of a million? Like, you don't have to listen. I don't want to bust your chops or anything, but I'm not going to purchase that much off all of you. I'm not going to purchase that slime off you for a quarter million dollars. And he's just like, oh, uh, why not? You change your mind. And I was like, no, no, I still want the slime, but I just know where to get it, so I don't really, I don't really need you for it, you know? I can just get it myself. size, and he's like, where do you think I get it? And I said, well, I saw that, uh, you know, that field uh, outside the city, that, uh, that brick wall, you know? I, yeah, so you just get it from those bricks somehow. I don't know how much is left there, but, you know, I can go up there and get it myself, you know? Do some old-fashioned foraging. And he looked at me, again, with earnest, pleading eyes, and just said, I don't know what you're talking about. Followed you out at, uh, when you uh, after work yesterday. You know, I saw you go to the brick building and uh, purchase it and suckle on it yourself. So, yeah, I don't need you. I can just get it there myself. And he said, "Okay, I'm going to tell you two things. One, I have no memory of doing that at all. I just wake up with these jars of slime. I don't know who puts them there, where I get them." 
And if that's true, if you're not lying, do you really want to suckle on that brick wall and get the slime yourself? prospect of suckling on a, between the seams of a brick wall in some random field somewhere just extract slime you know I prefer the benefits without the actual extraction process you know it made me think of how that's a lot of that's how a lot of uh, good services work you know like you want food but you're gonna grow it or hunt for it yourself but the dude sighed and he uh, tapped the jar with his palm said, look, again, I, I, I was right when I said I had other buyers uh, for this jar, but for you, I'll do 100000 which is, you know, which I, is what I asked for before, and I'll be happy not to sell it for you at that price, because I could probably get a higher uh, deal for it if I keep workshopping it on it, but uh, that's my final, I'll, that's, I can't go any lower than that, you know, my dignity won't allow it. I just like laughed, just thinking, oh, he's so worried about things like dignity. And I said, all right, I'll, you know what? hundred grand, I'll do it, you know? So I purchased it, you know, bought it through the store, but I didn't sell any of it. I just used it all myself incrementally over the course of three years. Just a dollop every now and then. Best self when I take this these little dollops of a flubbery slime, you know. Help me make better decisions, better financial decisions, social decisions, romantic decisions. You know. Like those three years of taking those light dollops of slime, uh, it's probably the best years of my life. Downside really is uh, starting to get some memory loss the more I took it. I go to the doctor about it, and I thought it would just be a. Uh, I thought it was um, Alzheimer's coming in early or dementia or something. And that's what it was diagnosed at the time.
that next week was a blur. I really don't remember it. But when I first came to, when I got out of it, I just woke up with all this uh, green slime and green puke all over myself. There's a half-full jar next to my bed. And it was like one in the afternoon when I woke up and I was like, ugh, ugh, oh my god. I gotta go to work, oh my god. So then I got up, um, tried to get some of the slime off me and into another jar to save it for later. Staff member, one of my staff members already opened, was already there. And he's just like, Christ, you're already, you haven't been here in a week. Where have you been? I thought you died. And I was like, no, um, I'm good though. And then I just worked haphazardly for the rest of the day. And then I went back to my apartment. And I was just like, well, at least I got some slime. That's cool. And I started to take heavier dollops as the weeks went on. I was just, I told myself, like, I'm not going to that brick wall to get on my hands and knees and suck on that slime and then spit it up in a jar and save it for later. I don't want to do it. But I would have these weeks where I would just, like, ingest a lot of slime, needing more and more of it. And then these separate set of weeks where I'd barely remember anything. But I would wake up one afternoon with these jars of slime ready available. Another version of version of sentience that was developing inside me. I know, my lord, that I need the slime. So, so insatiable for the slime. There's one week when I was halfway through a jar, and I was like, "Fuck it, I need that slime." And I went to that brick wall, and I suckled on it hardcore. Spitting out the slime into a jar, just so I can use it for safekeeping for later. And that's when my that's when my life was unfolding to. Half the time I would be in a daze, ingesting slime, not really knowing what the fuck's going on. And then the other half would just be absent, missing. It's like the slime was taking away half my life. I don't know what I did during that time. I'm sure a large percentage of it was uh, extracting the slime myself from that brick wall. Or maybe other spots, I don't know. I don't know what the slime was, and I didn't know what it wanted from me. But whatever it wanted from me, it was getting. And I abided by it.
huge swaths of memories are gone. I barely remember who I was as a person. Just the origin story of the slime. I seem to become suddenly self-aware every few months or so. And then when I am, I'm doing something slime-related of some sort. So in this bout of memory, uh, happening right now, one of the few times I'm lucid, and I'm ready to end my addiction to this line. I record this diary to implore you, please hear my story with this line and save me from it. I don't know where I am now, I don't know where I'll be. All I know is I need this slime out of my life. Recently, I saw a news story with the dude who sold me the slime. He was found somewhere in a sewer gutter with his body decayed ten years in advance than it would. And apparently he's only been dead for a week. Whatever, whatever his relationship was with the slime, it devoured him and then left him for dead. It was done with him still needs me for something. I don't know what the slime's purposes are. But if you find this audio di diary, reach out, because I'm very, very sick of this slime. Last quarantine spook show. I'm Kyle Carezzi. And if you listen to the show weekly, I'll be off next week. But until the next episode, good night.